Today's episode of the Greatest People You've Never Met podcast is brought to you by the Visual Identity Vault. The Visual Identity Vault is the official merchandise supplier for the greatest people you've never met. You can pick up the basics like t-shirts, hoodies, to headwear, and premium wear. The Visual Identity Vault is a full-service decorated apparel and marketing business located in my hometown of Fairmont, Minnesota. Shipping is included in all pricing, so we make it simple to order, pay, will produce, and ship. TVIV, a proud sponsor of the GPY and M Pod. All right, welcome into another episode of the Greatest People You've Never Met podcast. Joining me today is another Pod Populi podcaster, Mrs. Rami Whiteman. How are you? I am good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for joining me. We've been trying to do this for a little bit, and we finally got it locked up and linked up. Um, So, Rami, tell everybody a little bit about you, and then we'll go into your podcast a little bit, too. Okay. So a little, I would have always described myself as completely average. Growing up, before this podcast started, we were just talking about you came from a very small town. Yeah. I came from a medium-sized town, so I grew up outside of Pittsburgh. Okay. And I was born in Miami. We went through one hurricane when I was one. My mom was like, we're getting the hell out of here. Yeah. Not a place for us to stay. No doubt. And my mom and dad had both grown up in Pennsylvania. So we went back to Pennsylvania and I grew up very athletic. I was a gymnast. And at that time, girls didn't really play sports. I I was the only person leaving middle school, school early going to the gym for four or five hours every day. So I was a little bit of the oddball when Mm -hmm. it came to that. But I did gymnastics from the time I was four until I was a junior in high school, went to college, moved out to Los Angeles right after college because I wanted nice weather, beaches, which we did not have in Pittsburgh. Right. Not the best place for weather. And then I eventually moved to Phoenix and here I am. But I, I, I really always thought I was just the girl next door, super Mm. average, average intelligence until I got into the workforce. And then I started thinking I was a genius. Yeah. I was like, (laughs) you're shortchanging yourself. I I really was. Yeah. Uh, Where outside of Pittsburgh, my, my grandparents moved my dad and my uncle to Sealands Grove, uh, Pennsylvania for a while. Uh, My grandpa worked for armor foods. Okay. And then they, so they moved from like my hometown out to Sealands Grove, which is, I don't know where exactly outside of Pittsburgh. It could be an hour either direction, but I know I felt like I was told it was an hour outside of Pittsburgh. So, so Pittsburgh's a really interesting place. There are burgs next to burgs next to burgs. So you could drive five miles and be in one little burg sure. and another five. So there are so many places that people name that you would have no idea where where they were. Gotcha. I I started on in the North Hills and lived there till sixth grade. And then we moved to the South Hills for sixth grade um, to 12th grade, which was really unusual. Most people lived in the same place. They were multi-generational families. Yeah. My whole family lived there, but all in different parts of town. Sure. I think Pittsburgh is a 
unique area too. Very blue collar metropolitan mm-hmm. for a metropolitan. Like that's a, obviously the steel mills. There's just so many people. It's funny that you described yourself as very average, and I think that that's how most people who come from Pittsburgh yeah. would describe themselves. Yeah. It's very average, hardworking people. So it's just funny to hear you use that term. And what do you think it is about that area that people just, I mean, do you think it's just because they are blue-collar people, hardworking people? You know, we were talking about, like, my hometown or my home area before we started, like you said, and that's probably how most people would describe themselves, too. And it's probably just, like, the blue-collar way of life where you just go through the motions and live your life, right? Raise your families and plant your roots. But I don't know. That's interesting. Well, Pittsburgh... It seems to me that there are a lot of immigrants that end up settling in Pittsburgh. So I came from, I am not a first generation immigrant, but my grandfather came from Italy. All of my grandparents are Italian and it definitely still to this day has a pocket of this is where the Italians live. This is where the Polish people live. So there was a lot of, um, culture there was a lot of community yeah and so i think that's a very different way of life than here in phoenix we had no transplants right i never knew a person that came to our high school from another state yeah (laughs) so that would have been so strange for sure but i i i think that's maybe why i describe it it's very down to earth very um it was a great place to grow up yeah, no, it's I, I, it seems like it. I've met people from that area. Um, but as an Italian living in Scottsdale, mm-hmm. what's your number one Italian spot here? I, uh, so I don't have one okay. because I haven't found one that can compete with anything back home. Sure. But I will tell you, my daughter found this great little Italian market in Tucson. I don't know the name of it. Oh my gosh. It's a market. You can get sandwiches, but they have like this whole section where they make this homemade sure. food and, and people are just coming and going and coming and going. It's, it's the, I don't know how I didn't discover this yeah. earlier. That's awesome. Yeah. We were just in Vegas and there's one in like just before New York, New York. No, all brand new Italian shops. Uh, there's like bakeries and sandwich shops all inside this little market like that. And so mm. I was interested. I mean, who doesn't love Italian food, right? Especially real Italian food. Real Italian so food. So it's not oregano's is what you're telling me. Oh, and it's not, what's that other one? Olive Garden. Yeah. It's not yeah. Olive Garden yeah. either. No, I don't think anybody's <laughs> saying that. Re- yeah. Although they do have a mean salad. We can't, we have to give them sure. the salad and the rolls. Okay, we'll give them and that. And the salad dressing. That's a good, that's a good start. No, that's interesting. Um, so tell everyone a little bit about your podcast because it's it's very interesting and I think that uh, like you said like you started yours early you actually just recorded it, it was very emotional right before it's very different from what I do mm-hmm. so um, just tell everybody a little bit about what's your podcast called and then you know what 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 let's just start what got you into it or what made okay. you want to do the podcast yeah it's a really good question so. Clearly, I'm sure you can tell that I have the gift of gab. Yeah. And I love chit-chatting in small small groups. Yep. Not great in a room full of crowded people. But I wanted to start a podcast 
because it just always was an interest of mine. And my podcast is called To Be Continued. And eight years ago, I was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. And for the first five years, I really, really went through that journey alone with my family. I didn't share with anyone. I certainly didn't share professionally. Right. A very close group, core group of good friends were beside me. But outside of that, I was just very alone. And somewhere along the line, I think when I was trying to emotionally get my arms around it, which was probably around year four, I had a therapist that constantly was trying to teach me how to live in the present. And it was such a repeated practice and it was very difficult. But that just started this tagline and the story goes on. And the realization that I really only know what's happening in this moment today. Yeah. I don't know what's happening tomorrow, whether I have stage four cancer or I don't. And so that just became. I think any time that I started to get stressed out or I started worrying about something, I would just take a pause and I would be like, you know what? The last chapter of your story is not written yet. Right. You have no, you might have five more chapters. You might have 20. Mm. Who knows? And so to be continued became the name of the podcast because I think all of us at some point have something that happens in our lives that we weren't expecting. Nobody taught us how to deal with it. And we feel alone and it really changes the trajectory of our lives. I personally believe in the majority of cases, it changes it for the positive, even if it is some horrible event. Right. There's a reason that you're in that place that you're learning something you're seeing something that you wouldn't have seen otherwise. Yeah. So we talk to all kinds of people that have had kind of that right turn in their lives. Yeah, no, that's incredible. Uh, powerful stuff. I mean, a lot of people that are going to listen to this have been affected by cancer in some way. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I've unfortunately had a lot of my really good friends lose fathers and mothers. Um, you know, family members close to me, but it, it's, it's something that affects everyone. It does. So it's interesting. And I love when people take what they're going through and then try to help others. So I can't credit you enough for that because that is so powerful to show that power, right? Like you can keep going and what a unbelievable message, no matter what you're going through. I think 95% of stressors for people are tomorrow, no matter what it is, you yeah. know, financially, whatever you're worried about tomorrow always. And if you just sit down and you just, I'm on today. It's so crazy how much one, a lot of those things never come true that you dream up in your head, right? Like how bad it's going to be like, Oh, you know, just for instance, like in the sales world, right? Like you have a, you you have a upset customer and you think, oh, I got to go see him tomorrow. And you just dread on it, dread on it, dread on it. And then you get there and they're like, yeah, it's no big deal. You know, whatever that is. So it's just awesome to hear that perspective from someone like you and to know like, yeah, that's, I mean, it's not a sure fix at all, but you can live a lot happier life if you just focus on today. You can, because you only have two choices. <laughs> right. You can either keep on going or 
you cannot keep on going. Right. Those are your choices. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but you said something that I love Brene Brown. I just listen to everything that she does. I think she's brilliant. But on some podcast, she was talking about the stories we make up in our head. And we all do it. Mm -hmm. And I never really thought about it until she broke it down. So let's, let's just take an example. You get into an argument with your significant other. Your mind has created 10 different stories as to what that person's thinking. For sure. Oh my gosh. I really blew it this time. They're never going to speak to me again. They're going to divorce me. They're going to leave me. Whatever your story is. And if you really think about it, probably not one of those stories that you created in your head is really what the real story is. Right. And so I don't know why we do that, but living in the present and just having that awareness of this is the story I'm telling myself. Yeah. It's not a fact. It's just a story. So in the beginning of my cancer journey, the story I was telling myself was, they're telling me that this is not going to be a good outcome. Sure. And so I'm planning in my head, you know, how do I account for that? Yeah. I was making up all of these stories that knock on wood, those did not come true. But um, had I dwelled on them, maybe they would have. Right. No. It, what was that moment like? I mean... When you get the news, um, so just a you know, really good friend of mine, he was told by doctors that he had leukemia, and they really don't really know what happened, and that's mm -hmm. his story to tell, but he didn't, and it was kind of a weird thing, and um, but you know, in that moment, I feel like he said he heard those words, and he was just done. Like he was about, you know, like nothing else after the doctor saying you have leukemia registered in his brain, but his wife was with, and he's always, you know, then she mm -hmm. heard everything and whatever. So for that moment for you, and when, when was your diagnosis? Um, 2014. 2014. So coming up on nine years. All right. So that's incredible. What was that moment like? I mean, what were some of those stories in your head as soon as you heard that? Like just plan, obviously planning for the worst, but like for you mentally, what was that situation like? So I feel like I had a very different experience than most people, and I'm not sure why. Sure. Um, I, I didn't believe it. The thing that I say all the time, and, and I'm more comfortable saying it now because I think people, a lot of people would look at me and they were like, she's certifiably crazy. But even... From the get-go, I just never in my gut felt like this was going to take me out. And so many people kept telling me that it was. Right. And I just couldn't get there internally. I couldn't get my body to, like, accept it. So I either have a really, really, really keen sense of gut instinct or I was in such denial that I just couldn't let myself go there. Because I had an eighth grader, a 10th grader, and an 11th grader. Right. And I knew for a fact that they needed more parenting. Sure. I mean, <laughs> I was not sure at that point if they actually knew how to operate a garbage can. Right. And so I was like, 
we still need some basics that we yeah. need to cover. Yeah. I mean, what a powerful, what a powerful thing, because I feel like anytime someone has a goal or a dream, everyone is like, you know how you get there is you don't listen to everybody that says you can't do it. Right. Mm -hmm. Or you just say, no, I always knew I was going to end up here and I worked my tail off to end up here. But you don't hear people say that a lot when they're told you have stage four cancer, right? Like nobody's coming around and like site, you know, doing some psychology work with you of like, Hey, just, you know, continue to tell yourself this isn't for me, right? I'm going to beat this, whatever it is. Cause I think obviously the mind is extremely powerful and you can, you can do a lot of incredible things if you believe that you can do them. And obviously right away you believe that you could do it. So why have you always been like that? I have. Yeah, I really have. I think that's just part of my core personality. Yeah. I just am naturally somebody that just gets up and kind of, the past is that I don't, I don't think about the past a lot. Right. I don't open up baby books a lot. I don't look at old pictures. I just constantly move forward. My sister has a term for it. I don't remember what the term is, but she just always, she's like, I wish I had a little more of that. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't, I'm a middle child. Maybe, maybe that explains it. I yeah. don't know. I I mean, I call it, I mean, I call it watch me syndrome because somebody told me that's what I have is watch me syndrome. Like when people tell me that I can't do something, I purposely go out of my way to show mm-hmm. you that I can. Right. And that's how I've, you know, whatever your definition of success is, that's how I feel like I've been successful to this point yeah. is that I've done everything I said I was going to do and then some, Right. and I'm here. And it's funny that, you know, 20 minutes ago, you described yourself as average. And I don't think that that's a very (laughs) average characteristic because there's a lot of people that wish they had that. And is it, is is your sister like that? Oh my gosh. No, we're, we're total opposites. opposites. Exactly. We're total opposites. But I think, you know, like say somebody admires that personality trait that I have. Yeah. I'm sure there's another personality trait that I have that they're like, yeah, but I don't want that one. Sure. I mean, you know? maybe, yeah. And, you know, so you have to take the whole package. For sure. No, it, it, it's interesting. It's just so interesting to hear you say that, like, oh, I'm average, and then to, yeah. you know. Yeah, I love it. I mean, I think it's, it is a personality trait that a lot of people wish they have, and there's a lot of people, I mean, when people find out or when you find out somebody's like envious of you, right. Um, it's, it's a lot of times that trait, like you just going after things and attacking Mm -hmm. the world. Just, it's interesting to hear that. So as you went on your journey, so, um, let's kind of bounce back to, let's go to that first year of diagnosis, right? Mm -hmm. What was, what was that like? I mean, obviously you had younger children at the time. Sure. Very hard. Um, the first year was really rough. Yeah. It, it, the first year was really rough because when I originally got diagnosed, they thought it was stage two. And then after my first surgery, I had to go do an MRI and there was a tumor in my liver. So it was immediately stage four. And there had only been six weeks that I'd gone by. So there were a lot of ups and downs. And I tell some of the newer cancer patients that I talk to, it takes a year, a year and a half to kind of 
get yourself into that mindset yeah. where every day isn't so much fear. You you just kind of become part of the system right. for lack of a better word. But there were a lot of ups and downs. There were a lot of surprises um, after they found the tumor in my liver and that was removed. The follow-up scan from that showed multiple tumors in my abdomen and that was very scary because my oncologist had told me there was no treatment and it was going to be chemo for life and good luck because it's not going to work forever. Right. And so that's when I really started on my quest of education and research and finding other doctors. But it, it, was, it was a roller coaster and my strategy was surround myself with doctors that had faith in me and thought I could do it. And then in my personal life, I kept things as normal as I possibly could. I worked through the whole experience. I took my kids to their sporting events. I went to their hockey games. I went to their dance competitions. I did I looked at it like it was a nuisance that I had to deal with versus the main part of my life. It was just like, oh, I have this one new thing that I have to manage. That's incredible. Yeah, that it's very powerful to listen to you speak about it. Um, It just is, uh, I mean, it's kind of like, I mean, it's, I don't want to say it's like everything else, but. You're obviously very successful, and you've made it this far, right, through this th- this whole thing, right? And you found a way to surround yourself with the right people, and in your case, it was doctors, right? So yeah. for, you know, my big thing when I started this podcast is that I just wanted to help somebody take a leap, right? Like we were talking about before we got on, me leaving my hometown, right? right. And how big of a deal that was, and the other people that have done it, and you kind of feel like, you know, people are people know about it. Right. And it, and it's like, I wanted to help people maybe take that leap in their life or whatever, just go after a goal or a dream. But in anything you do, you have to have the right group of people. And so it's so powerful to hear you say like, no, I was going to go find the right doctors for me. Right. And I don't, I just don't think like enough people do that stuff. Right. Like in any, Especially in in any of those cancer diagnosing situations, right? Like where they just are, well, that's what the doctor said. And And that's what I believe. Exactly. And we could do a whole podcast on that. Yeah. But I really, I I had no question. There were two things I knew from the very beginning. And one was I was going to work with a doctor that treated me as a teammate and not a patient. I wanted to be able to collaborate and share what I was feeling and have that doctor actually listen. Yeah. And so I had to go through one or two until I, I found the ones that I felt really comfortable with. And then the second thing that I was really sure about was that my children were not going to go through their high school years and have this cloud of their mom is sick. Yeah. I don't, you know, obviously they knew what was going on, but I remember after my very first surgery, um, it was October 23rd, and it happened to be my husband's 50th birthday 
on October 23rd. So that was his 50th birthday party. And October 31st, we had the whole eighth grade class over for a pre-trick-or-treating get-together. And they all trick-or-treated in the neighborhood because the older two had got to do that. And I wasn't (laughs) going to take that away from my youngest. Yeah. So I just wanted to keep their lives as normal as possible. And I think they would all say it was, you know, it was pretty normal. Yeah, that's that's incredible. Um, What's uh, what's been some highlights on this journey? Like like little milestones that people I mean, somebody there's a good chance that somebody listening to this is going through. Yeah, very something very similar. Right. Um, So what were some of those little milestones along the way that you were like, yep. You know, we can cross that one off the box. And then you obviously, you know, we're here nine years later. So milestones in my own health journey. Yeah. Or in like, like life, once you got that news that we were like, you know, whether it was like making it to one of the kids graduations or whatever, you know, those things are. So I think this is another anomaly with my personality. I didn't look at any of those as milestones. If I got a good scan, I took that for a good scan and I would get up the next day and move on because I knew I had another scan in three months. So I didn't really classify things. I didn't have timelines. I certainly in the back of my mind wanted to make it until my youngest got to high school. And, or graduated high school. And then I said, everything else on top of that is gravy. And I was speaking at an event yesterday and a woman asked me a question and she's like, well, you have new goals now, don't you? And I said, no, I still, every single day is gravy. Right. I'm not, I'm not going to go back on what my, uh, what I asked for originally. Right. I asked for I need five years. Yeah. And I got that. This is all just icing on the cake. Sure. At this point. And I would say some of the other, you said milestones. I guess my brain went in a different direction. I met some amazing people that I never would have crossed paths with. For sure. And I always think of this guy, Tom, and he was part of the colon cancer support group and he was a cancer researcher and he had colon cancer. Him and I could not have been any different. He was the scientist. He was socially awkward. <laughs> yeah. I'm way out there. And, you know, we just were like peanut butter and jelly. Yeah. And I just adored him. And unfortunately, he passed away. And a lot of my friends in the community passed away. But I met just these beautiful people. Yeah. Absolutely. I think, yeah, now that, I mean, well, he's been big on you might not have planned your, or your life hasn't gone to plan, but you'll be thankful with the people that you're able to meet. Right. And that's exactly that. I mean, obviously you wish you could have met those people in better circumstances or had them for longer, but you wouldn't have if it wasn't for your circumstances. So where along your journey did you decide to do the podcast? I started the podcast less than a year ago and it was kind of on a whim to be honest. Yeah. It, it really was on a whim. Just 
wanted to just start doing it or I did I so I had two choices I was going to do the to be continued podcast and you know talk about all of these life's heavy moments and then the other option was just going to be stupid funny shit with like moms and what we do you know yeah like the real world what happens you know when you have kids yeah and so sometimes we pepper that in yeah but yeah yeah, oh, that's awesome. What was uh, well, like your first episode going back? What was your your message on why the to be continued over the other one? Like just to help everybody, or I it really was because you know, I think if you talk to anyone that has had something really difficult, it doesn't have to be cancer. There's right. a thousand things it could be for sure. You always feel alone, even if you kind of somehow know, oh, you know, Susie Smith down the street went through something similar 10 years ago. When you are going through it, you feel so utterly alone. And some of the thoughts that you have, some of the things that happen to you, you're like, this could not possibly happen to anyone else. This is so crazy. And so it's really a platform to talk about the crazy. Sure. Where it's okay because um, I remember one time I was at the Verizon store and I was with my youngest daughter and there was a woman in there and she had known the early parts that I had cancer. She had known the very beginning and we were just buying phones and she looked at me out of the clear blue and she goes, so what's your prognosis? And I was so caught off guard because that's basically what she was saying is how much longer do you have to live in the middle of the Verizon store with my child. Yeah. So, you know, that just was one example of so much like internalizing of things that may not just be medical, but the way people are treating you Mm -hmm. and how friends react and, you know, come to find out doing this podcast, we all feel exactly the same way. Sure. For sure. (laughs) So we aren't alone. Yeah. I mean, it's just not a dinnertime conversation. No. And I think, I think it's, it's a weird natural question that people ask when anybody says, well, you know, I have cancer or Mm -hmm. so-and-so has cancer. Well, how long do they have? But it's also, if you really like think about it, it's like the most asinine question you could ask because you listen to like your perspective, right? Where you're like, well, I'm on today, so I don't know. Yeah. It doesn't matter, right? We also know, uh, I mean, people get killed in car crashes every day. They didn't wake up thinking, well, this is it, you know? Right. So it's just a wild thing. So yeah, just go out and live. But maybe if we could do anything from our pod is don't ask people how long they have to live. Like, uh, let's stop doing that one, it's- I guess. And, and I did, it took me a while, but I figured out that they're not asking because they really want to know how long I have to live. Mm-hmm. They're asking to kind of tamper down some sort of fear that they have that this might happen to them. Sure. It, it always comes back to them. It's really never about you. Yeah. No, that's, that's fair take. Um, did you, so as you started the podcast, uh, did you have a, guests on right away like that you knew were going through situations or how how did you go about finding 
finding guests to tailor it to your your podcast? So because I had said earlier, everyone has a story. Yeah. Everybody has something that so far we've taped 21 episodes and I know every single person. Sure. And I think the next three that I have booked, I know those people. Yeah. And so I think it's going to be quite some time before I have to go and reach out to people that I don't know. Right. Because we all have a story. Nobody gets out of this life unscathed. For sure. And if you do, you're faking it hard. And very hard. Yeah. Yeah. Has there been any time, so you, you've known everyone. Um, has there been times on your show where people have opened up to more than you thought you knew? Oh, absolutely. Because when I say I've known everyone, they might not be really good friends. I might know surface level of their story, but I don't, I, there's a lot of details I don't know. And one, one of my friends, actually, she was a friend and I did know her story But she came back and she sent me a text and she said, that was so therapeutic. Yeah. Just saying it, just getting the words out. For sure. So therapeutic. Yeah. So I do another podcast called Back to Even and it's me and my buddy Jeff. And Jeff started a pod after I did and it's called Only the Important Stuff. And I was great friends with Jeff's younger brother. He's one of my best friends, Justin. Jeff is 12 years older than we are. And so their dad passed away from cancer. And so Jeff wanted to start the pod as kind of like a way to have conversations for his kids in case Mm -hmm. something ever happened. Right. Because obviously, like now it's great that we have these things. Right. Like I've had my grandma on my dad on. Right. Great friends, all that stuff. So it's fun that I know that I have those forever. But. It's funny that you say how therapeutic it is because when Jeff first started, he had some of his best friends on. And unfortunately, but as you get older also, friends go through similar things where they lose parents, right? Mm-hmm. And as men, especially, we don't talk about that stuff. Like, you know, in the moment, you always be like, hey, you doing okay, right? But then you just kind of go on with life. Right. And some of the conversations that he's had with some of his best friends where they've opened up cans of worms that they've never talked about and they've been through stuff forever together, right? They're guys that grew up together since they moved to Minnesota when Jeff was in the eighth grade. So it's just like, it's, it's so not funny to hear you say how therapeutic it is, but I think anytime people come on the podcast, they start out very nervous, right? And then, all of a sudden they get to a point where they realize it's just you and I talking like the camera's there, the lights are on, whatever people walking by can see us, but they have no idea what we're saying. And so then it just becomes like that. And I think that that is so powerful for your part. Like obviously it's going to help people, but knowing that it's helping the people that are on it too. Like that's what I loved about Jeff's idea on his own that he started Because it was just, you know, that was his big thing is men don't talk enough. And then here is here are some of his best friends. And then they've opened up on his like they could have opened up any other time. But when it happens, when the when everything's being recorded for the world essentially to hear, 
is when people are like, oh, this feels really good to say out loud. It's just it's just kind of funny how the brain works sometimes like that. It is, and I wonder if it's because men don't always feel like they get that chance to open up or they're not asked. Yeah, very well. Could, I mean, like Justin, uh, Justin Jeff's brother, uh, I had him on right before he became a dad, and right at the end he apologized for not coming to my grandfather's funeral. Because he couldn't go back because it was at the same place where their dads was. And he just didn't feel like he could. But it was just a moment that we shared. But we could have shared that a hundred other times. And that's, you know, it's just, it's kind of emotional to think about. But just how fast, you know, I don't know. It's just weird. It, It probably is. You just get to talking and then you feel like, oh, this is just feels like the right time to say it. Exactly. But it's just so, it's just been, you know, to hear that, those stories and then have my own where it's like, I wonder where in the brain or why in the brain we pick that moment to just let it out. Yeah. And And, be real. Yeah. Absolutely. I think the last couple of years too, I, at least I hope this is true with just how much stress on everybody it has taken. And I, I really would hope that we can just all go back to just being real yeah. and stop pretending it. I don't know where that gets anyone, but let's just be real. And yeah, you know, we're uh, all flawed. In oh, some absolutely. Way or absolutely. Yeah. Being you is the coolest thing you can do. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I agree wholeheartedly with you. It's it. And I think that's probably part of it in our space now where yeah, you know, especially three years ago, almost to the day, we watched the world just stop. Yeah. And I think, like, that might have been the most dramatic thing people have been through, right? But it was a big change for all of us, and we all went through it together. And I think, for the most part, I think with level-headed people, at least, there's been a lot of good that has come out of it, where it's like, you know, you just take advantage of more situations, where right. it's like, oh, I don't know if I want to go to the ball game today or whatever well we know what that's like to not have that option ever again right so it's no big i mean it's just one of those things so i i wholeheartedly agree it i i hope more people are just real real with it now i guess that's a very good way of putting it i don't know just go back to the basics yeah just talk to people exactly (laughs) be nice normal human beings it's not that hard i know it's uh have you had anybody on on your pod that you felt like um, maybe helped you change perspective on stuff? I, yes, I I have because I really feel like I learn from everyone, yeah. and I feel like even if there's one little nugget that I can take from each person's story, and sometimes I just store it in the back of my head, and I don't know when I'm going to need to bring it you know, to the front to use it. But I'm very curious. I'm very curious about people. For sure. And I, I think that's probably one of the things I love most is just people and how we're different. And so, yes, I learned from everyone. I've learned so many, so many things from people that I admire. They've gone through hard things with grace. Right. Have you uh, had anybody on that maybe a similar situation to you gone through you know, some cancer stuff and learn from them at all or see how your paths are, are similar or different. Okay. Now, um, now I'm going to have to put my thinking cap on to go back and think 
I have never met anyone that's had an extremely similar cancer journey to me. Right. I looked really hard in the beginning because I wanted to find someone that that presented like me. Sure. And had a good outcome. I didn't find that. Um, So with cancer, I think cancer is a very umbrella term. It absolutely is. It's you know, as umbrella as a virus. And there's just thousands of different branches of that. So no two are alike. Right. And I think I forgot the first part of your question. No, I was just, no, no, I just was curious. Like, like that, that is it. Of just, you've met somebody, you know, maybe Maybe you have, because you said you spoke at, at an engagement yesterday, mm-hmm. too. So maybe you help those people in, in other ways. But have, the, have you had those these kind of conversations with people who are going through that, I guess, is what, you know? Yes. I And actually, I'm meeting somebody after this for coffee who is currently going through active colon cancer. And it'll be the first time that I met her. She reached out. She found me. And so I'm going to go have coffee with her. But I think the common denominator that we all have, whether it's cancer, whatever it is, is we're going to go through hard things. Mm -hmm. Our lives are going to be ups and downs and ups and downs. And if we can just focus on kind of the emotional side and do what we can to keep that in check. Yeah. That's the common denominator absolutely. versus the details of my disease compared to somebody else's disease. I think it just all comes back to grounding. Yeah. Uh, when you speak with these people, that, is there, do you connect with them because your mindsets are similar? Or do you think that, like, I mean, maybe you're, I don't know if you're meeting this person for the first time, but I think when... Sometimes when you go through things, right, and you reach out to somebody, um, I think you kind of touched on it earlier where you said, like, maybe, like, help them get through it or, like, how do I want to say this? You you talked about how, like, it kind of lessened the blow, like, when that lady asked in case they ever right. got there, right? Right. So somebody that's going through this, reaching out to you, do you think that they have a similar mindset where they're like, yeah, I'm going to power through this too. And I want to strengthen up my team. Or do you think it's a lot of times where people are kind of like, I guess like hoping to hear like, yeah, you can do it. You know, I, does that make sense? It makes sense. It's a little bit of everything. Yeah. And so I have a nonprofit that helps people with the medical expenses of, high cost illnesses, not just cancer. And so I get a lot of people that come to me and ask if I can help them figure out a bill or look at a claim to see if it's right, or if there's any way that our nonprofit can help. Sure. And so that's, that is how this particular person found me. And when people do find me, there's a couple of different reactions. They either want to look at somebody that's eight years out and that gives them hope because maybe they're on year one right? or they want a specific resource or they just want to ask questions. But I've met a lot of people too that, you know, they want to do it their way and they really 
aren't interested in anything that helped you along your journey and right. that's fine too yeah what's your nonprofit called because i think it's very important just hearing my friends go through things um you know and they talk about a lot of times they say like you know go to the doctor's appointments with your parents like you know if you hear those things right mm-hmm. like to just be there and have another here so i think any kind of help for people going through stuff uh, so what's your nonprofit called and how could people i mean not to flood your phone lines here, but how right. could people reach out if they had questions? So my nonprofit is called White Horse, and it's white like my last name, W-I-G-H-T, Okay, and then horse, and it's .com. We are in the process of revamping the website, but it's in, you know, good enough shape today that you could sure. find where to contact us and to get information. But our hope is is to add a lot of educational material to it so that people have it at their fingertips so that they know when they go, let, let's say they get regular CT scans and for some reason they're paying out of pocket. Yeah. <clears throat> There's ways to get those for much cheaper. And so just tips and tricks of the trade as to how not to get yourself into a medical debt um, catastrophe right out of the get-go. Sure. I think that stuff's extremely important. And how long ago did you start the nonprofit? Um, literally right before the pandemic. So it was really slow going because we had to pull back a lot of the things yeah. that we had planned to do. Yeah. And so it's really evolved to, I do help a lot of people just manage their expenses and teach them how to make payment plans, teach them how to call and what their rights are and yeah. things like that to manage the financial aspect of it. Oh, good for you. That's, I mean, there's just so many, I mean, in anything, you know, anytime there's stuff like that, there's, I will always wish there was like a handbook on certain things of how mm-hmm. to go about it. And I think there's probably a lot of people that do. So I think that uh, your nonprofit will help a ton of people for sure. So good on you. And obviously you saw that going through probably your experiences. And so you're, yeah. I did. Yeah. I, I was a medical debt catastrophe myself. Yeah. And so, you know, and if there's any way I can contribute to help somebody else not go down that exact path, yeah. um, you know, I'm happy to do it. Absolutely. No, that's incredible. Well, I appreciate your time so much and being with me today. Do your podcast come out every Tuesday as well? It does. Okay. Except we, we missed last week due to a Rami error, oh. but it... it <laughs> It does come out every Tuesday. Okay, good. On all platforms, and all it's platforms. to be continued. To be continued. Yeah. And if anyone's looking for us, it's to be continued dot podcast on Instagram. Okay. Perfect. So you can find us. Yes. Thank you so much for sharing your story Thank with you me. Thank you for having me. It was Absolutely. Fun. It was very fun. That's very powerful stuff. Uh, def- probably one of the more powerful ones I've had on in my almost 52. So I appreciate you. Oh. Um, yeah. I don't know when this one's coming out, but we're pushing a full year. So that's uh, that's exciting. So uh, thank you, everyone, for listening at home. Please like, comment, share, subscribe, unsubscribe, rate five stars. Be good, everybody. It's only green the way you bought it